Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting greedy podcast here. Been seeing you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Tuesday, March 7th. The NFL Combine just wrapped up. Free agency is right around the corner. The draft is just under two months away. The offseason is fully unfolding. We have an absolutely packed show in front of us today. But before we get to all that, I got to start you off with some breaking news here. The Giants pull it off right before the 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern franchise tag deadline. They managed to beat that deadline and retain both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. The Giants signed quarterback Daniel Jones to a new four-year, $160 million contract with $35 million in incentives. According to Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, Daniel Jones also gets $82 million, $82 million over the first two years. Meanwhile, that left them free to use the franchise tag on running back Saquon Barkley. They will retain both of their big-name, big-time free agents that were set to hit the market here this time next week, it's pretty big. It's big stuff. Uh, Now, there's likely some funny money in the Daniel Jones deal, but this seemingly does keep him around for the next couple years in New York, the next two years at least, and it does outkick both Derek Carr and Geno Smith in average per year money. We're going to talk about both those guys with our guest here in just a second. Here's the deal. Jones, obviously, you know, I I think he's probably right around that quarterback middle class group. He's probably, you know, there's 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 more, I think, up untapped ceiling, I guess you could say, for a guy like Daniel Jones. And I think more so Derek Carr, Uh, Geno Smith had a better year, I think, than both of these guys last year. But obviously, he's a little bit further along in his career than Daniel Jones. Had he been franchise tagged, he would have been the youngest quarterback in NFL history to get the franchise tag. Um, So that's worth noting there. I think the Giants are betting on some growth from Daniel Jones as he enters Brian Dayball's system for the second year, Mike Kafka's offense for the second year. However, I think they still desperately need to find a way to beef up the receiver position for Jones to really max out this deal, for them to get the most out of this deal for Daniel Jones that's going to pay him $40 million per year if that $160 million is correct. 
it's going to be tougher, obviously, when you've slammed up so much of your cap space. We don't we don't know how much Daniel Jones is going to take up cap wise in the first year of this deal. That that is worth noting, but. It's going to be a little tougher, obviously, with with these guys on the ledger for them to make a big swing at wide receiver. But there's not necessarily a big swing available on the free agent market, anyways. I think they maybe look to sign, you know, a mid tier guy to go along with Isaiah Hodgins, who I liked last year, and they they could easily still take a wide receiver with their first pick in the NFL draft. There's a lot of guys that we're going to talk about on today's show that could be a fit there in the late first round. So New York's definitely not done in the passing game. We expect them to make more moves. And Daniel Jones, obviously, he brings so much value as a rusher. If the Giants are able to surround him with legit wide receivers next year, maybe even a big-time tight end, we'll see. That's supposed to be a pretty good class as well. Jones could end up being uh, one of the best passers in fantasy next year. He could be one of the best players of the position, uh, potentially jumping up another tier if they get a guy to work with. You know, I don't think we can necessarily see a Jalen Hurts type of jump from him, either in fantasy or real life. But maybe like a poor man's version of that is what the Giants are betting on here. Not sure it's the bet I would have made necessarily, but it's the bet the Giants have made there. Saquon Barkley, meanwhile, gets the tag. He's going to be in New York this year. He should remain one of the most productive backs in the NFL as long as he stays healthy. You could argue that Saquon Barkley was a more important, more influential figure in the offense than Daniel Jones was last year. The running back tag is just $10.9 million. I bet he's not happy with the tag. You know, there there were some comments that, that he's made, you know, some reports that, that, that would indicate that that's the truth. It is what he's going to get. Keeps him from the open market. De- dramatically weakens a free agent running back class that, you know, Miles Sanders now looks like he sits at the top guy there after some other tag news we're going to talk about here in just a second. So Barkley will remain with the Giants. They'll sort of um, kind of try to wade both walk both sides of the fence here straddle both sides of the fence here in terms of like they were a rebuilding team that really became a victim of their own success last year with fan expectations and in fact they made the playoffs unexpectedly they're going to try to keep this core of guys alive here daniel jones brian dable mike kafka saquon barkley all running it back next year with potentially some tweaks at the wide receiver position uh new york could be a sneaky sense of fantasy value and again should be a playoff contender if they're able to win on the margins again if they're able to supplement this roster while still thinking long term and not making a ton of bad bets with their salary cap stuff like that although i'm sure there are going to be a lot of people that have a lot of thoughts about daniel jones making 160 million quote unquote throughout the life of this contract all right on to the rest of the show like i said it's a packed one here for you today all right, excited to be joined now by not some measly guest, <laughs> a former oh, a former Yahoo colleague, current yeah. NFL.com draft expert, Eric Edholm. Eric, what's going on, buddy? How you holding up after Combine Week? I, I'm doing all right. It, it was a long week. You know, when I was at Yahoo, I would typically take off like Friday night, Saturday morning, maybe Saturday afternoon if I was feeling a little frisky, but... This week, they had me there through the drills on Sunday. I didn't leave till about 11 a.m. on Monday. It made a difference. Let me tell you, those extra two days, you know, a couple steaks and whatnot and a few, few bevs, yeah. all the workouts, it'll, it'll, it'll take a toll. But I'm doing all right. It's great to be back, man. I'm happy to be on with you. Longtime listeners of the show will be very familiar with the stuff you used to do for us here on, on yeah. the feed. So uh, it's going to be great to dive into the draft class with you. Um, I'm jealous, man, that you did. I, I know Frank Schwab tried to talk me out of being like, oh, you're not missing much about the combine, <laughs> all that stuff when we yeah. taped the show last week. But 
I want to go sometime. All right. If yeah. it's, I mean, sh- shoot, even if it's just for the steak and Bev, uh, right. I'm down for that part of it, but I'm jealous. It sounds like a great time. You know, I mean, there's a lot to dive into with this incoming rookie class. You're essentially going to be kind of like our combine recap slash priming me for some of the skill position guys uh, in the class. Cause this is right around the time where I start transitioning out of looking at free agents and, and start to look at the wide receiver prospects uh, in particular. So we're going to get to all that, but yeah, we do have a bunch of news to kind of come through here. We've there, a lot has happened since we've last recorded an episode, starting with Derek Carr signs a four year deal with the new Orleans saints. It's reportedly up to 150 million uh, total value, 37 and a half average per year contract. He's right above kind of Kirk cousins in terms of APY, which I, I don't know, Eric, that, that feels right to me. It did to me too. You know, that was about the number I kind of figured somewhere in that range. You know, I was, fascinated to see if if New Orleans would be able to step up. It, it seemed pretty clear that, you know, the Jets are leading by a tiny bit when that report dropped. It definitely felt like a like a negotiation ploy and yeah. it worked, right? So obviously the, the car we saw last year was a different version of what we'd seen the previous few years. You know, lower completion percentage, not as many big plays. Uh, you know, that's going to be a question that we have to ask. Is that going to be able to translate? Does Dennis Allen and uh, have the right plan in mind for him and everything. But look, he, it was clear he needed to move on. He found a team that wanted him. And right, he's the best quarterback in the NFC South until, until uh, further notice. Yeah. So <laughs> that's worth something, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the Panthers have Matt Corral and some other guy whose name I, I can't even remember and, and wouldn't have heard of anyways <laughs> if I had remembered his name uh, under contract. The Falcons currently has de- have Desmond Ritter atop the depth chart. That might yeah. change. Uh, and the Bucks have... Kyle Trask as the only quarterback under contract. So he's the best quarterback in this division by a lot. And yeah. that's sort of why I know the Saints are perpetually in a weird place. You know, they're always uh, maxing out the credit card debt. They're always <laughs> borrowing from the bank. I, I get that part of it. Um, they're also like, are they still trying to hang on to the ghosts and like the last gasp of the Sean Payton era? Yeah, sort of, right? Yeah. But at the same time, Carr's best quarterback, not just in the NFC South, he was the best quarterback in free agency, period. Um, And there's familiarity there with Dennis Allen. So for that part of it, I kind of get it. Plus, like, you do have to get the most out of a guy in Chris Olave who you traded two first-round picks for, you know, essentially, last year. Like, you traded up to get him. And I think Chris Olave is a stone-cold stud. Gets separation at all three levels. He's a true number one. Michael Thomas tweeted, thank you, Jesus, uh, at the result of this. And, like, yeah. Is he going to be there? I think that's kind of a you know an open question right now. Some people, like I know Nick Underhill, thinks he will be there. Mm. Um, a few others think he will he will not be. Underhill usually has a good feel for the team, so that is worth noting. Rashid Shahid's a guy who showed flashes late last year, but also Alvin Kamara's status very very questionable. So yeah. the the bottom line here, I think for especially from like a fantasy lens, is this is good news for Chris Olave, who I know produced good numbers with Andy Dalton. I know uh, Andy Dalton was really good in a variety of like advanced metrics last year, but Mm -hmm. I think you can trust Carr with a little bit more stability and he's gotten the most out of big time pass catchers, at least the last three years. I I agree. Yeah. I think this is probably, he's the, probably the biggest uh, beneficiary of this situation. And, and, you know, they look at Olave and saw what he did with, you know, like you said, uh, moving parts at quarterback and, and uh, less stability than you're normally going to hope for. And he was great. The fact that he was targeted as much as he was, I think you can translate a higher percentage of catches than what he had last year mm-hmm. uh, because of the overthrows and, and you know, the, the, the poor 
you know, connections there, at least in the first part of the season. So, yeah, with Kamara's status unknown, I mean, look, Jawan Johnson gave him some some play last year and something. I think they've got to add a receiver, especially if Thomas isn't in the mix. But, right, I think they're off to a, you know, they at least have kind of the foundation in place, even if it's still missing a few blocks. The Thomas thing is fascinating because, boy, I could easily see them even after the restructure, you know, moving on from them. But, you know, Nick's pretty dialed into the the, the Saints and has a good feel for what they're going to do. Maybe there is a a possibility of him coming back and having that revival season at age 30. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him back, you know, being the slant master again. Right. That's the funny thing about Thomas last year is we only got three games out of him. Um, was that that many, right? <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, d- dude, I was just, you know, looking back at, at my like in-season charting database for reception perception. Like, all right, I got to add some games for Thomas here. I'm like, oh, nope. Got them all. It was yeah. only three. <laughs> it's only three. Short list. Yeah. yeah and he, to me, he didn't. He did not get open to the same level that he did in previous years. I don't know how you can think like that ability is going to suddenly come back, but he's still really good on contested catches. He's still a bigger body compared to Olave, who's a skinny man. Uh, Rashid Shahid's tiny as well. So I think maybe because like he might add a little bit from like a red zone perspective, that would be great for Carr, who um, had a lot of connection with like a Darren Waller there, but he's also made it work with like, Hunter Renfro, who's more of a separation guy in the red zone. Obviously, everybody makes it work with Devontae Adams. So I get there's people that are going to question this from like a team building perspective. But my God, like you at least get to maybe nine to ten wins that might win this division. And you're going to be much more watchable than I just don't think you could sell a fan base, Eric, on like we're going to do a a Andy Dalton plus, you know, somebody else quarterback battle for two years in a row. Yeah, right. I think, yeah, you made the point that, look, Dalton actually did some some pretty nice things, but he's just got that stigma about him, right? He's like the we're settling vibe, right? And, and nobody wants to uh, take a six if they can get an, uh, a seven or a seven and a half mm-hmm. or an eight, you right. know? So I think that's kind of where they're at. And, and I, I totally understand why they, they paid the money they did for him. Another quarterback got paid uh, as well. Geno Smith stays with the Seattle Seahawks on a three-year deal, 105 million. Uh, it's a 33.3 uh, million average per year. That's right below Jared Goff, which again, I think that feels right for sort of a guy in Geno Smith who played at times like a top 10, top five quarterback from an efficiency perspective, but in kind of the back half of the year, maybe leveled off a little bit. Like I think yeah. he perfectly represents just like Goff does kind of the quarterback middle class right now. This is a middle class quarterback salary. Um, and I think it just keeps the Seattle Seahawks on the track from what they were doing last year. Yeah, uh, middle class, upper middle, whatever you want to say. I mean, you know, there was a time not too long ago when Goff and Gino were borderline slurs, right? You couldn't put oh, them yeah, anywhere. Cl- <laughs> yeah, so like, let's give them their credit. I, I And, you know, it was clear to me that, you know, if you just want to lump those two guys together, like the, the Lions really do have a, a plan for golf and think he's going to keep building off last year, but that shouldn't stop them from drafting a quarterback. Just like yeah. the Seahawks signed Gino. I don't know that they won't draft one as well. So, you know, whether it's a high pick because they have the extra first, both teams do Lions, the Seahawks, but, or it could be the hand and hooker type, but yeah, with Gino in place at again, right around the same money that, that was projected that seems reasonable based on the market you got to really tip your hat to the way he played last year from the from the opener when he went up against yeah. Ross in a no-win situation. He won, and he kept winning. Um, and I think it just meshes well with their identity of being a, a, a run and big play team, intermediate and big play passing game. So, yeah, it, it seemed too perfect. 
You could tell, though, that when when I asked Pete Carroll at the podium about the possibility of keeping uh, Gino in place and then drafting his quarterback, he couldn't wait to spew out there. Oh, we're we're buyers. We're in the quarterback yeah. market. We're doing that work. So, you know, you're, you're still paying up for a guy who may not be your starter. And, you know, after two years. And number one, Pete has all the incentive in the world to say that, whether it's true or not. And I think right. it should be. I think it should be true to, to your point. Like the Seahawks have a top five pick from another team. The Lions yeah. are picking in the top 10, oddly enough, from another team. Yeah. These two teams, do. they were fringe playoff contenders last year. The Seahawks actually made it. The Lions almost did. They should have every incentive in the world to take a unique and rare opportunity to potentially get a young guy who, you know, they can sit. We'll talk about all these quarterbacks here in a second. Right. Like they could sit behind Jared Goff. They could sit behind Geno Smith. And, you know, that could be great for the franchise's future. But I don't think Seattle could not walk into the season with Geno Smith after what he did for them last year. And I mean, I think everybody universally agrees. What a what a coup for Gino, you know, the, the career that he's had to get this kind of deal at this point in his career. Awesome. Great story. We love it. And for guys like Tyler Lockett, for DK Metcalf, it just keeps the quarterback competency afloat. And I think this is an offense. If they don't take a quarterback, they could actually potentially add like a third receiver or sure. you know, like, I don't know, something like that. Add a little more pop to it as well. I think that's fun to see. But I mean, great, great deal for Gino. And I think this leaves a lot open for for Pete and the Seahawks to, you know, if they want to drum up a quarterback market to trade down or they want to be one of these guys to take the, one of these developmental quarterbacks, it all is on on the table for Seattle. Yeah, I agree. I think I think they're playing it the right way, keeping all options open. You mentioned another receiver. I could see them loving a, you know, a Jackson Smith and Jigba to put in the slot. I know we're going to oh, get yeah. into the draft stuff later or having a, one of those flex tight ends or something like that. And I know they've got a bunch, but you know, if you want a little bit of a difference maker there. So yeah, get a, get a deep. If you're not going to go the quarterback route up top, get a defensive stud at one of those first round mm -hmm. picks, get a pass catcher at the other. Gino remains happy and he'll have a variety of targets there. Plus that great run game. What a, what a great situation for the Seahawks. And it's crazy yeah. to think about how, I'm going to say we and mostly I was talking about them, you know, <laughs> not not quite a year ago, but, yeah. you know, eight, ten months ago, back at, back before the season to how we're talking about them now, where they just feel like they have the world in front of them here. Uh, it's an amazing spot for them to be in. Yeah. Uh, another piece of news here, uh, Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley. That still feels a, a little weird to say. I'm getting used to that. But Jaguars <laughs> wide receiver Calvin Ridley has officially been reinstated uh, by the NFL. He's going to play this year. Uh, he joins a wide receiver room with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Eric, I have previously said on this podcast that I am desperately, and I mean desperately, trying to remain merely cautiously optimistic about right. Ridley after almost two years away from the game. Yeah. Then you go back and watch him play, and it's hard not to get really excited about his fit here for Jacksonville. Are you going to push me uh, towards the enthusiasm or the caution here? You know, you know me. I'm, I'm not afraid to go against, uh, you know, what you say or what Charles Robinson says or any, any of our old <laughs> friends there. But I, I'm with you, man. I, I, I do worry about a little bit of the length of time that he's been away, and and you know, there's been some questions about focus and things like that. But boy, that that 2020 season still rings in my head. I don't remember his exact yeah. numbers, but just felt like every week he was producing. And you know, from a fantasy spec perspective and a real life perspective, he was. Uh, I think a, a good red zone threat that year. He had a high volume uh, of usage there in that Atlanta offense. And, you know, things may have gotten a little stale there the next year. And then obviously the suspension happened afterward. But boy, this is still a, what is he, 28 years old or something yeah. like that? 
we're still talking about the prime of his career. And I think he's got a second chapter that we're, that we're going to be reading intently. So now how it all works with the guys they have, they franchise the tight end, they've got Kirk and Jones. So, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed, but guess what? You know, Trevor, I think he's going to take another step. And th- this, this trio could be really, really special if, if it all kind of meshes properly. Yeah, and in terms of what they need, you watch them last year. And again, Christian Kirk did great things. I, I yeah. love Christian Kirk. Evan Ingram was really awesome in the second half of the year. Zay Jones popped up. But man, you watched the Jaguars every single week last year. They need a true number one who can get open against man coverage and press coverage on the outside. Amen. Calvin Ridley, last time we saw him play, even in 2021, even though the stats weren't always there, he was still looked like a number one receiver who could get open versus press and man coverage on the outside. I, that's why it's so hard to not get crazy optimistic, but a year and a half away from football, that's a long time. What's he going to look like? Where is he going to be? I mean, just personally, mentally, and it sounds like he's excited based on his Twitter feed over the last like month. Yeah, He's excited to be back. That's great to see. Hoping for the best for Calvin Ridley, and it should be a fun offense to watch this year. Yeah, I mean, Shane Waldron's, you know, a, a guy, or sorry, not Shane Waldron, I pressed Taylor is what I was thinking. I don't know why I had Shane yeah. Waldron in my head. Uh, Seahawks just a minute ago. Yeah, yeah, I just, I think I had it. Yeah, I was, I had the wrong name in my head. But yeah, Press Taylor and, and and Doug Peterson, I think are really smart guys who will find ways to use them. And, you know, one of the things that, that Ridley did in college that was a little bit underrated for a, a leaner frame guy was his ability to kind of get quick sudden movements and separate in the red zone. I felt like, especially in the end zone too, I thought he was so subtle and in, in terms of just little head fakes and, and shoulder dips and stuff that all of a sudden he'd go from covered to uncovered by two yards in a hurry. And that's that's a valuable skill to have close to the end zone. 100%. Uh, he could be a bit, they got a lot of guys down there in Jacksonville, which is great to see considering what like Trevor was playing with his rookie year. Yeah. Um, all right couple of running back tags here to talk about. The Raiders placed a franchise tag on Josh Jacobs. They're kind of paying for their sins after uh, declining the fifth-year option. The tag for running backs is it's like $10.9 million. Yeah. Who cares? That's fine. Um, the Cowboys also assigned the franchise tag to Tony Pollard here. Again, same value. Either of these stand out to you. To me, they were pretty much like expected things to happen here. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I don't think either one of them is a shock. Now, obviously, the Cowboys have have some work to do to figure out, you know, what the plan is and, and how do you buttress Pollard coming off the injury? Because you've got to get right. somebody else in there, obviously, to kind of supplement that. And are, are you taking somebody who's kind of a Pollard clone or are you kind of getting somebody who's a little bit more what? the role Zeke filled last year, assuming he's, you know, not part of the picture. So yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. And obviously with the Raiders, they couldn't afford not to, I don't think. And you're right. They, they made their bed and they had to sleep in it knowing that they probably overpay as a result, but they also got 340 carries out of the guy last year. And how bad would they have been without the guy? I mean, that's really the bottom line, I think, but I, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they end up paying them and playing them and then letting them walk next year. If they, you know, if they wear him out with a, I mean, you know, again, Derrick Henry, obviously is somebody who's done it for, for years, but not everybody can, you know, maybe you just chew him, chew him up and grind him into the ground and, and help kind of transition to whoever the next quarterback is. But yeah, I'll be fascinated to see if it eventually leads to a long-term deal there. Yeah. I can't quite get a read on that. Obviously would love yeah. to love to see that happen for Jacobs, but uh, you know, the 10.9 mil payday is pretty nice as well. I, I agree. I think that could be kind of the way it goes for the Cowboys, man. I, I agree that I think Zeke, there's no way he's, he's there on that deal this year. So like, right. I don't care what it looks like right now on paper. He's either going to have to take a big pay cut or he's going to be playing elsewhere. 
and, and that's kind of hard to imagine. It, you know, it feels like they'll it feels like they'll they'll figure something out with Zeke where he takes a big pay cut. I, I think that they do kind of need a guy like a banger back and a guy who's a bit better in pass protection as well. That's why Zeke has been there. But hey, man, Mike McCarthy at the combine says he he wants to wants to run the hell out of the ball, wants to you know keep the defense fresh, all that. So I think another big season is in store here for Pollard, who kind of had that breakout year last year. Yeah, well, wasn't there a little subtle shot at his old play caller to you there? About like, I don't think it was subtle. I don't think you can call it subtle when he says, like, Kellen wants to light up the scoreboard and, and all that, that stuff. That heathen, right? Who does that, right? Who wants know, to light up the scoreboard these days? I know, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I just... I guess I'll never quite understand that line of thinking, but you know, Mike has a point, right? I mean, obviously you have, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, we know the drill with that, right? Everybody kind of, it's an old school, new school kind of debate. I, I hope he sees the light. I don't think he will, even with all these interviews every year around this time. Oh, I've been diving into the analytics. Uh, you kids <laughs> should be excited. Uh, I'm not buying it yet, Mike. Sorry. Nobody uh, ever did more to get a job and then immediately tell you, ah, that was pretty much all BS. Just garbage. Yeah. Mike McCarthy. (laughs) Imagine, uh, Eric, imagine doing that at like at a, I mean, we don't have real jobs. Like we talk about (laughs) football for a living. So it's kind of hard to say for us, but like a real person who, you know, goes into a a job interview, gets the job and then right away tells their boss, actually doesn't even just tell her boss, tells their boss in front of the entire company and any other interested party. Like, yeah, that, I just kind of said that stuff just to get the job. I didn't really get that degree from that school. That was BS. Don't bother back checking that, all that stuff. I don't know. Pr- pretty crazy stuff. Ink's dry. Can't do anything, right? We got the contract. We're all figured right. out here. So sorry about that one, Jerry. Yeah, that was that was a, a eye-opening moment and, and a window into who Mike is. And uh, he'll, I think he'll always be that guy and uh, for better, for worse. Cowboys are, are a fascinating team this oh, year, yeah. for sure. We'll have, a lot of time, we'll have a lot of time to talk about that. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. But we got to start talking about uh, the combine, this draft class. Like I said, Eric, you're essentially going to be sort of like my intro to a lot of these guys. Uh, I have started to work on the wide receivers a little bit. We'll get into that later. But what I want to talk about first is just kind of like, what's what's the vibe of this class? Like good class, bad class. Where do the strengths lie uh, with this whole with this whole group this year? Yeah, I think I kind of sold this group a little bit short. You know, I kind of came into, let's say, Senior Bowl, you know, almost a month ago now. Kind of thinking, eh, C, C-plus draft, good, not great. You know, sort of, you know, garden variety in some respects, a little better in other positions. You know, I mean, yeah, it's nice when you have a lot of cornerbacks. It's uh, it's a luxury when you have a, a really good tight end class like we do this year. But is it amazing? Eh, I don't know. But the more conversations I've had, I think it's a little stronger than that. So I might be willing to bump it up to like a B-minus class on the whole uh, offensively, good news for for you. Obviously, the quarterback. I know you're a receiver guy mainly, but uh, <laughs> quarterback is somewhat intriguing this year. We've got oh, some yeah. options. Receiver won't have the the high end glitz, you know, top shelf type receivers out there, but I think you can find some really solid ones, and there's still some pretty good depth. It just, you know, we were so spoiled, as you know, the last four or five years coming out. Uh, It was hard to really, I mean, every year was like, well, another year, another great receiver class. I don't think it's quite the case, but it's good. Tight ends could be a banner year, might get 
I don't know, three in the first round or something like that. Four, five, six in the top 50. It's that good. Uh, mm-hmm. Running back, you got the two at the high end, Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. And then I think a, a pretty good middle group, but not a, an amazing amount of depth there. And maybe not as many quality third down options as I thought there might be. Hmm. So that's a little, I think a little lacking. The more I try to look for those guys, is it's a handful. It's not a, a list of six or seven guys who I think are going to be prime, you know, 50 catch pass blocking guys and all that. I don't know that I see a whole lot of those. Well, that's really interesting. And, and we'll kind of talk about the the running backs as a whole. But I've said this on the show, and we did just talk about, you know, Pollard's going to stay with the Cowboys. Jacobs is going to stay with the Raiders. But we might get a variety of other players on the open market. Joe Mixon might be available. Leonard right. Fournette's already been released. I just still think there's going to be a big shakeup at the running back position, even though some of these two top guys like Jacobs and, and Pollard are going to stay with their teams. We're going to get Again, just a big shakeup at the running back position in terms of top of depth charts, second guys on depth charts. And if this class if this class has more of like those banger backs or early down guys, not necessarily those third down specialists, that could really mix things up because there's nothing more um, not frustrating because it just is what it is at this point in fantasy. But like there's going to be a lot of committees. There's going to be a lot of guys playing yeah. roles rather than a clear cut big time like Josh Jacobs types back who are just on the field all the time. That's so rare. But that is that is good to note there for the running back position. We'll come back to that, but let's start let's start with quarterbacks here. Uh, unlike the other groups, I'm not going to have you go through the position kind of as a whole because I want to talk about these top four guys yep. individually. Um, starting with Bryce Young. Bryce Young weighs 200 plus pounds. Okay, sure he does. Eric, there's nothing I care about less than what Bryce Young weighs at the combine because he ain't never going to weigh you know two what was he two o two o five two o four yeah right. He ain't never yeah. going to weigh that another day in his life. No, right. It, it, on on the day after he weighed in, he, it wouldn't shock me if he dropped below 200. I don't know if it was all water weight or what, but yeah, as as I was having a conversation, I think it was the the night that he weighed in that, that morning or whatever, somebody said, yeah, well, I, here's what's going to happen. He's going to go to Alabama's Pro Day. He's not going to weigh in already. I already weighed in in Indy. You got it. You know, you're all set. And he's going to throw there and he'll probably be closer to the 193, four or five or whatever he played at last year, because that's where his body kind of naturally is. So, yeah, I mean, do you worry about the the long term durability questions? Sure you do. But it's it's really hard to project where he's going to go and what kind of system will go in. All I know is he's smart. He's got some creativity to him. He's tough. I think he's. He and, and C.J. Stroud are probably the most game-ready, you-know-what-you're-going-to-get kind of quarterbacks in this class. Yeah, I know there was a lot of, like, Kyler Murray kind of comparisons with the weight and the height. Yeah. couple couple things on that. Again, Bryce Young gets to say, or gets to put on his, like, NFL.com page, his Yahoo Sports, like, game log stat page, gets to say 204 forever. I don't care. It doesn't matter. He, he's going to be, like you said, he's going to be playing at like 193, 195 at most, whatever. Um, the height stuff, you know, I've kind of trended like a lot of different ways with the height thing for a while. Yeah. I thought it didn't matter. Now, after seeing like how Russ has aged, Kyler Murray, the guy we're talking about here, how he's kind of struggled to run like a over the middle, consistent passing game. Russ had those struggles too. Basically, I think Br- Drew Brees overcame the height, but he overcame the height in such a, specific way with like interior offensive line strength stuff like that yeah 
I, I kind of go both ways on whether I care about the height thing. The weight thing, though, is interesting with with Kyler, especially because Eric, tell me if I'm I'm wrong about this because again, I haven't like broken down yeah. Bryce Young like you have, but I don't think he has like Kyler. I certainly don't think he has Kyler Murray's athleticism, and no. does he have the same type of like? I mean, Murray for all his flaws has a, a crazy amount of arm talent. I don't know that Young carries either one of those traits really. Right. Nor does he have the immense scrambling ability, right? He's got escape ability, though. I mean, that's one thing he had to do a lot of at Alabama last year. It was kind of shocking watching Bama tape. Don't don't listen too closely, Patriots fans. But Bill O'Brien's protections left him, you know, there were a lot of five-man protections. And it was like, I think (laughs) that spoke to Bryce's ability to handle pressure and to escape it and make throws, but he wasn't running the way that Kyler does. And you're right. He's just not the, the Houdini artist or the, you know, whatever, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an issue. I mean, he, I think PFF had young with the most batted passes in college football last year. He also, you know, threw a lot of passes, but still, you know, it's something you have to consider. It's part of the equation there, right? Are you going to build a, an offensive line from the inside out like the Saints did? Are you going to move Young out of the pocket? Are you going to build, you know, an outside screen game and and that sort of thing? Of course, all those things are probably going to happen, but, you know, you got to make it work and you got to keep them upright. And that's those are going to be two big things for, for his landing spot. But there's so much to like about him as yeah. a player, as you mentioned. Like, if he's 6'2", are we even having a conversation about like, you know, I mean, shoot, if he's even six one and, and actually 210 pounds or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Are we are we having are we even having a conversation about the you know quarterback position or is it like tier one Bryce by himself? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, no, I don't know that right, like he's that much smaller than Tua or, you know, I mean, like it, yeah, I mean, I know Tua weighed in at 217 or whatever. I don't think he weighs that anymore, right? Same concept of, you know. He don't and, weigh 217 anymore. I just I just saw him at the Super Bowl. He, uh, he's thin. He don't weigh at 217. Yeah, right. I mean, and then again, like, think about, I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody who was pretty light when they came into the league. Kirk Cousins was a pretty lean guy, hmm. right? And he's played a lot of football and, and, and stayed upright and found ways to step up in the pocket and evade pressure and things like that. So... Well, yeah, I mean, definitely a skinny guy too. Uh, but obviously had had struggled with injuries and is a different type of athlete. But I was shocked guy. with Lamar's weigh in that when he weighed in that yeah, I, I was convinced he was 195 pounds looking at him. Yeah. So, you know, and Brock Purdy was 220. I don't know. Some of these weights don't make sense to me, you know, when I see them on paper. But uh yeah, it's it's anybody under, I think, 215 pounds of that position is should be subject to the same questions, or you know, don't have them at all, I guess. Yeah, we can have a long conversation about as somebody who's lost weight and tracked weight and gained weight and tried to put in. We can have a long <laughs> conversation about like how static weight is and how it's it yeah. is a little silly that we're like, this guy's 220 pounds, like as if he's going to be 220 pounds for the next eight years of his career or something like that. <laughs> yes. Again, long, long conversation we could have about all that stuff. But yeah. we'll, we'll kind of just if we're talking about Bryce Young and like where you think he would fit best because I think we're going to have a lot. Obviously, the Bears are shopping the pick. Ryan Poles is out there saying, like, I can read people and I can tell that I'm going to get two <laughs> ones. Okay, Ryan, we everybody knows you're you're trying to trade the pick. But if, if, if you could, like, telegraph the best spot for uh, Bryce Young, where do you think that would be? Yeah, I mean, I think a place like Houston would make some sense. Now, they obviously have some work to do in terms of beefing up, sure. you know, what's around them and everything. But did use a first round pick on a guard last year, still have Laramie Tunsil. 
you know, Titus Howard, you at least have seen some redeemable qualities from. So, you know, offensive line-wise, it makes sense. His old teammate, John Mechie, is there. And I guess you could say D'Amico Ryans has a connection with the Alabama thing. But, yeah, I mean, I could I could see that working out pretty well. And and I, I think Nick Casario, given his Patriots roots, certainly has a, a, a strong relationship with Alabama and will get, you know, the, the purest of information from them and, and have a good feel for what, Nick Saban sees Young being on the next level. And, you know, a lot of people are excited about Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, what he could bring in kind of a Shanahan-type system or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I could see that working out pretty well. I mean, he kind of plays – I brought, brought up Brock Purdy's name the, a minute ago. You know, like a more under control, at least what I saw in college mm-hmm. of Purdy – that's that's kind of the game right there. I think he plays a little bit of that style where a couple times a game, you're holding your breath like, ooh, dude, careful now. But other times you feel like, all right, this guy's got it. He may not have every style point in the book, but he gets it done consistently. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, I know that's not going to get people excited. Like, oh, the top pick of the draft could be the last pick in last year's draft. But I get your <laughs> point about like high-end yes. distributor, but plays... It has a bit of a playmaking mentality to him, just probably like a much, much better version than than what we got out of Purdy. Although he right. was great in last year, of course. CJ Stroud, tell me why, Eric, he shouldn't be the top quarterback in this draft. Because I kind of feel like with the obsession about the guy we're going to talk about next, Anthony Richardson, mm-hmm. with all of the talk about, and everybody loves Bryce Young, but all the talk about his weight, we just talked about it for 20 minutes or whatever. CJ Stroud feels like he's gone a, a little bit uh, under the radar, and man, he he really threw the piss out of the ball uh, at the yeah. combine. That was super impressive. I mean, the 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 cleanest mechanics, the best, you know, the most precision. I think of of the entire group. He doesn't have a howitzer like uh, no. Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, but he has enough arm, right? And so I heard some people kind of question, you know, is he, he's sort of pushing the ball downfield a little bit and everything, and then that's fine, but. You know, they they were still a vertical offense for the most part at, at Ohio State. And I don't remember him vastly underthrowing balls or anything like that. So he, he's got an aggressive mentality for a guy who's considered kind of a high completion percentage guy. So, you know, granted, a lot of that is the fact that Ohio State has these aliens at receiver and most oh of them are God. open by yeah. <laughs> an offensive line. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's becoming a factory there. But yeah, it for me that come to Jesus moment for, for Stroud was the Georgia game, his last mm-hmm. college football game when for weeks, I mean, you, you, you couldn't go on the Ohio state message boards. Not that I did, but without hearing Buckeyes fans saying, why doesn't he run more? Yeah. And for two and a half years, he heard it. Cause his first touch in college football was a 48 yard TD run. And he looked awesome. Everyone's <laughs> like, great. We got Justin Fields 2.0. He's obviously not that. So but in that Georgia game, we saw somebody who could throw off platform, who could use his legs as a weapon. And it was like, wow, what a difference. And, and you know, I don't, I think he just sort of plateaued a little bit and people had kind of gotten a beat on him a little in terms of what to expect. And, and Michigan knew kind of what was coming, even if they were willing to give up the short stuff. But yeah, that game really kind of changed his, his trajectory for me a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to use it, but... Who's to say he couldn't use it the way Joe Burrow uses his his sure. running ability? That is a weapon, not a, you know, or Mahomes even to a degree. So, yeah, I think there's there's some of that. Like, I don't think anyone would argue that Patrick Mahomes from a just a, forget his arm strength, like just from an athletic standpoint, is he an amazing athlete? Depends on how you define it, right? But it like, let's say foot speed and explosion as a runner and all that. 
they're pretty similar, I think. So, mm. you know, if you just look at it through that lens, he's got maybe more upside than I think some people are giving him credit for. They're talking about other guys as upside guys. I still see that a ceiling that hasn't been touched yet. That's kind of how I feel as well about C.J. Stroud. And again, I, I've not sat there and broke. I've watched a lot of Ohio State receivers over the last yeah. two years, of course. So I've seen, I think Stroud's the guy I've seen the most of. Uh, just because of the receiver stuff. I've seen a little bit of Bryce Young, too, with John Mechie last year. Um, but, yep. yeah, man, I I, I kind of think you, you hit the nail on the head there with the, with the Burrow thing because the fact that I think Stroud showed you he could do it, and I know mm-hmm. he was, I think he was on the Pat McAfee show during Super Bowl week saying, like, he was actually playing with a little bit of an injury last year that wasn't talked about. And so maybe that's, maybe it's a reason, maybe it's an excuse, I don't know. But still, that might be a viable explanation for why he didn't run more. But the fact that he has it in his bag, I think, is, useful because Mahomes is is great to bring up too because he only kind of brings that out when he absolutely needs it. Yeah. If Stroud only brings it out when he absolutely needs it, that's great because if he had no athleticism, then I think maybe he's like a golf type of guy. And I think golf is kind of exactly golf has a he doesn't have a a whip either, like a Richardson or a Levis, but he can push the ball down the field and he's a pretty talented guy. But he's he has no creative ability, right? Which is why I think he he tapped out. But he's perfectly sort of, again, that middle-class quarterback that you can go up, you could go down depending on the surroundings. But if, if Stroud is that Burrow type, then mm-hmm. I think you're talking about a guy who can create a little more, and then you know we, we know how good Joe Burrow is. Right. And you brought up what I think is the perfect name for, like, watching Stroud through about mid-season. I, I sat there and said, he kind of reminds me of Jared Goff. Like, I know that's a comp we can't make, but yeah, I mean, sure. seriously, he just sat there and threw the ball well. Uh, like you said, not ripping it into the wind 30 yards down the field. That's not his game, but, you know, throwing with touch on a deep over, you know, okay, great. Use one of those, right? But again, it was just this like lack of creative genius in his game that I thought, you know, kind of kept a ceiling on what he could do. But you saw little flashes of it and then it all kind of came out in that one game to where I said, and he talks about it at the combine. He said, I wish I did more of that. He was kind of hesitant to to run more. So, Maybe in a new system, new 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 offensive coordinator, he could just say, I have the freedom to kind of let it loose a little bit. Sounds like we neither one of us would be surprised if he ends up being the best of these four guys we're, we're about to I talk can see about. It. Just because, yeah. He has the I think he has the fewest question marks. I'll put it that way. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that is a great way to put it. And speaking of question marks, let's transition to the next guy here, Anthony Richardson. I mean, just put on an absolute show. Yeah. Uh, most, I mean, basically by a lot of measures, the most athletic quarterback performance uh, that we've, you know, we've ever seen at the yeah. scouting combine. 240 plus pounds, runs a 4-4, whatever. I mean, just just some absurd stuff. However, Eric, I'll, I'll ask you this. Are we in danger of kind of double counting that athleticism? Because that can happen at the scouting combine, right? Like we knew Anthony Richardson was an athletic freak. Watch him outrun like the entire SEC defenses. (laughs) So then he goes out there and he shows us he's an athletic freak. And it's like, well, I get it. It's probably more athleticism than we thought. But isn't isn't that something we already knew? Where do you stand on Richardson as as a prospect um, with all of this in mind? 100%. The double counting is the perfect way to say it because, right, I I think the only surprise, well, I shouldn't say the only surprise. I was sort of taking a straw poll like of of a couple guys the week before the combat. I said, what what is Anthony Richardson going to do workout-wise? And they said... 235 pounds, you know, mid to high four fours. He'll jump well. 
Well, he was slightly heavier and slightly faster. So, okay, there's like a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> right? That's who wouldn't want that. So, again, you're you're absolutely right about being almost, you know, the pixie dust can kind of can wow you a little bit. But the same questions that existed prior to the combine exist now, which is how consistent is his, are his mechanics? You know, and we even saw it in the throwing session. I don't know how much you watched. I, I was sitting there for yeah. five days straight and whatever. But, you know, he, he early on got in a good rhythm, was throwing the ball nicely with touch. He's got the gun. You know, I mean, he's got the arm strength, almost outslung Will Levis, you know, and everything. But then at the end of his session, he was doing all arm, less torque with his middle, no lower body. And guess what? He shorted a few. And then he, you know, so those are the things that you have to be patient with. That's why he's described as raw or a project. Mm -hmm. He's ready to play right away because of his athleticism. However, you're going to have to tailor some things to the fact that, you know, he did come from a moderately simplistic passing game. Moderately. I, mean, I think there was some stuff in there that translates, but it also is the fact that you just don't know what you're going to get kind of series to series with him because he can have hot streaks and then get cold a little bit. I think that's a, you made a great point there, which is I think we're kind of having a bit of a come to Jesus moment with the quarterback position about like ceiling and floor because yeah. having a guy like Anthony Richardson with those tools, that's a floor. Like you could play that guy right away. Bingo. It's all of the stuff, just like Josh Allen. Like there was a floor with Josh Allen, and maybe maybe not as much. He's not as freaky athletic, but Jalen Hurts, right? Like when Jalen Hurts got on the field, like you can make an offense around Jalen Hurts, and then all the other stuff that Hurts definitely has: work ethic, intangibles, like leadership, yep. the drive to relentlessly get better. That is how you then access a ceiling, right? Uh, but. I don't know. I mean, shoot, I don't know Anthony Richardson. I don't know if he has all that stuff. If he does, that's great to see, but I don't know that. Never will know that. But if he can, but obviously, like I said, there's that floor there because he's so athletic. And then the rest of the questions come with how can he improve from a passing perspective and all that. And even if he never yeah. gets there, like, do you think, like, do you think Jalen Hurts is, is all the way there as a pocket passer? I would say probably, probably not, but he's like maybe 80% of the way there. Yeah. And if you're, this this athletic and you get 70 80% there you're really cooking with something yeah right i mean in theory he's you know he's freakier athletically than not in theory in practice too than jalen hurts and i love jalen hurts you know and i was i was a proponent of his because i thought there there's there's something there you can work with now anthony i don't know his personality well enough and i've only had a couple of conversations about leadership and intelligence mm -hmm. and all those intangibles and everything i did hear from one guy that that there were some concepts that they put on the board that he still needs to learn and you know i mean i would say that's probably true for at least half of these guys if you come oh, from yeah. a system that doesn't you know it's like, well, he doesn't know any French. Have you taught him any French? No. Well, okay, let's start doing it and see how he does, you know? Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. that's the biggest thing is is when they when he left the room, they were asking themselves, okay, he doesn't know X, Y, and Z. How quickly do we think he can absorb this stuff? Probably pretty quickly, but it's just something you have to check off and figure out. But, you know, I mean, boy, anybody who can run for as many you know, like 50 yard touchdowns as he can. And just watch the Utah tape. I thought, you know, that was great. Oh, yeah. Then you watch the next week against Kentucky and you go, okay, I understand the inconsistency issues here. So it's, it's all there. I think you can put it together, but it's going to be like Josh. It's going to take some time. We didn't ask, uh, I didn't ask you about CJ Stroud and like best landing spot for him, but for, oh, yeah. for, 
for for Anthony Richardson, feels like there's a lot of teams picking in the top 10 right now that could be great spots to either that have a good combination of like veterans that he could sit behind. And I I don't really know where I stand either with with should a guy like this just get in there or should a guy sit? But there's mm-hmm. a lot of like Frank Reich and that staff, great group of teachers, you know, Indy, they've got Shane Steichen. He just had this success with Jalen Hurts. Could he have it with Anthony Richardson? Right. Obviously, we talked about Goff and the Lions. Ben Johnson might be a head coach this time next year. So that's a little something to, to, to worry about. But good offense and have a guy that he could sit behind. Where does Anthony Richardson potentially land that he would find his best career success? That's a great question. There's part of me that wants to even throw like a mystery team in there, like a Tennessee, if they release Ryan Tannehill or something like that. Boy, wouldn't Mike Vrabel have fun with, you know, like a running quarterback who's got some clearly he's got some toughness. And and I think, you know, you put him with Oconquo and Burks and all that, and you might have something really fun there. But um, what what should like what Malik Willis could have should have maybe been sort of that's the perfect way to cap it. That's the kicker right there. I mean, exactly what everyone wanted Malik Willis to be, I think. And you know, where's where's Vegas in the mix, too? Because yeah. you remember, you know, it's long ago, Josh thought Tim Tebow could be that type of quarterback, run, pass, and everything. I'm not comparing the two, but I'm saying... <laughs> Florida knew, quarterbacks. Yeah, right? right, Florida. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's not like he hasn't worked with that guy. Obviously, he had Cam Newton in New England, too. I forgot about that. But yeah, what does he want to do? What does he want to do with the position? Is, is Jimmy Garoppolo his starter? And then you bring in somebody who's kind of like Jimmy? Well, that's probably not Anthony Richardson. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, is Atlanta just staying with Ritter? You know, there's oh, still... Man. Falcons seem... That seems like a fun one, too. I, I know, without the, without anybody saying this, I... I I was talking to an agent we were, who represents one of those top four quarterbacks. And, and I said, is there, you know, like, is this going to be as good a year as, as everyone's predicting where, you know, four go in the top eight or nine picks. And he said, yeah, but there's this fear in, in his little agency about what if we just wait for Caleb Williams? What if we just wait for Drake may next year, the 2024 guys, it seems like most teams don't take that approach, but it's something to consider. Maybe, maybe Houston passes on a quarterback. Who knows? Oh man, uh, God! You Could you imagine? To... <laughs> Could you? Im- no, no, no. Yeah, they signed Jimmy because like there's plenty of Ugh. connective tissue there. Yeah, there and is. Just, the waiting until next year stuff is, I think, dangerous, and it's yeah. always. I think it's more dangerous than ever. Because now, like, these kids can stay in college and make a, just a shit ton of True. money. <laughs> yeah, know? that's a great point. Like, yep. They, they don't need to come out and, like, get, let me get on the NFL rookie pay scale. Like, they can <laughs> make the NIL money, all that stuff. It, it, it's, it's a whole different world now. Last guy here, before we move on to running backs, Will Levis. He said, I've got a cannon. I'm going to show it off. I think he had a pretty good chance to show it off uh, at the Combine. But there are questions uh, outstanding about him, despite some of that talent. There are, there are, right? Last year was not the kind of year that he hoped or Kentucky hoped. And, and it was a little bit of a curious uh, situation. Rich, Rich Gangarello came in and replaced Liam Cohen, who was his offensive coordinator the first, you know, the first year and really oh, kind of brought out the, yeah, I mean, he really brought out the the best in, in Levis. Now Cohen's come back to you, to Kentucky, but it just, it didn't work out last year. And Levis, when I asked him about the injury, the foot injury and how much that kind of took the run game out of the equation. He was kind of saying like, eh, you know, we didn't really do a lot of quarterback run prior to that. And it was almost suggesting, it was interesting because a lot of guys often come to the combine who have that running ability and they say, 
I'm a passer. I'm a pocket guy. I can do this, you know. But I think Levis understood that part of what makes him dangerous is that he he can take a keeper and 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 rumble 15 yards if he needs to. And you know, he's a good athlete. But you're right. There are questions about touch, timing, placement, you know, blitz recognition. You know, he took more hits than he probably should have last year. Ball security was a little looser and uh, not as good as the year before. Uh, he was injured too, shoulder, foot. Yeah, how do you how do you grade that? I, you know, I'm an old uh, blockbuster video guy. Like, be kind, rewind, make sure you watch the 2021 <laughs> tape along with the 2020. Get two games from each season, and you'll kind of get a a better feel for who he is as a prospect. I think. Hmm. I, I like that. The shout out blockbuster man. Hey, uh, there's one left. There's still that one out in Oregon. I want to go. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I, just. There's a, there's so many there's so many streaming there's so many streaming right. the last thing the last thing I need is more uh, choices to watch something exactly uh, but no, Will Levis uh, you know definitely a guy that I think is going to be tempting it's so funny you bring up like the oh no I'm I'm a pocket passer I'm a pocket passer now yeah. it's almost like we're talking about guys like doing the inverse of that like no it's important for CJ Stroud to go out there and says I understand That's that right. running is good so for true. me Will Levis I I understand running is good for me the game has changed man um anyone else to note from the quarterback group like that that you know, might be a, not one of these top four guys. I mean, not a first round pick, but somebody that people should keep their eye on. I hate to say it. Well, Hennon Hooker is is the guy who he had the torn ACL against South Carolina. You know, probably yeah. not going to be part of OTAs and everything. He's 25 years old. Can't, you know, I would love him in Seattle to be Geno's backup. Like that's mm-hmm. the perfect kind of situation or something like that. Uh, he reminds me of Geno in some respects. So there's, you know, the, he's a he's a good player. But the guy who I probably came away the most impressed by strictly from the combine and then also adding some of his late season stuff comes with a lot of questions too, though. Stetson Bennett. I mean, Mm. he threw the ball well early. He's a good athlete. Yeah. I mean, he's Bryce Young size. He's 5'11". Ran for like 10 touchdowns or something, like double-digit touchdowns last year. Yeah. He. I mean, you know, he... The 68 yarder against Auburn. I mean, dude's got some. He ran a 4.6540 and looked like he was barely yeah. trying. And there was a joke on Twitter. Somebody said, I guarantee that dude was doing it, was not running full so that he doesn't have to answer questions. Hey, why don't you move to slot receiver? <laughs> you know, I think that was Bill. I think that was Billy Marshall. I think so. it was. I was trying to remember. Shout out to, <laughs> yes. shout out to Billy. One of the, one of the, one of the best uh, follows you can awesome. make on Twitter. I he's really good off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, I think it's no. Billy M 91 or something like yeah. that or close. Just look around. He's a funny guy and very knowledgeable. And I love Great that joke. Clips of clips of literally. Uh, yeah. Uh, Billy M underscore 91 a shout there shout is. out to shout out to the underscore bros the few of us uh, <laughs> I'm right there man yeah but <laughs> Bennett there's a lot to dislike he you know he toyed around like he sort of made it sound like the senior bowl he was going and then backed out last minute and then said at the combine actually I was going to go to the east west and you know there were mm-hmm. some people who he got he rubbed the wrong way in interviews he's got the arrest he's got the, arrest, the age yeah. factor there's a lot yeah there's a lot going on and yet, at the same time, if I had to pick a guy out of that group who I thought threw the ball better than I expected him to, it was probably him. I don't know if he has fantasy relevance. You know, it's it's a weird evaluation, but he's at least on my radar, I guess. Definitely worth keeping on the radar. Uh, mm. Let's move to running backs. You, you kind of gave us a good preview of the class as a whole. Definitely a potentially deep group. Uh, could shake things up, but... Let's talk about Bijan Robinson. Uh, you know, four, four, six, forty. He's considered a top five talent in the draft. Of course, you know the running back valuation stuff like that. But I think he probably goes first round. You, yeah, you, you, you know, I think he goes first round, and for that reason, 
how excited should people? I think he of all the guys we talk about here, obviously he's going to be like a potential because he's so good, right? I mean, he's he is good enough for him to be like a second round pick in fantasy sure. in his rookie year. I think so. Yeah, the team drafting him right in ready to parry any questions about running back value is going to use him accordingly. You know, there were games that he he was shut down, like Alabama, uh, where they said this guy is not going to beat us. And guess what? He caught. Uh, I want to say four balls for 80 yards or whatever it was and showed, Hey, okay, you, you close me down this way. I could be that receiving threat too. And yeah. um, I wish they threw them a tiny bit more than they did, but still, I mean, they, they had another back in Roshan Johnson. They used a lot in third downs, but Bijan is, is, I think he's special in the same way that, that Saquon was special coming out in the same kind of way, different, a little different, but same kind of way that Josh Jacobs was special. I thought Josh Jacobs was special coming out. I, I put up with a couple years worth of crap to, to <laughs> go back on my evaluation there, but yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a three down back. Who's going to get a shoulder to load and, and be an inside outside guy. Great vision, good hands, uh, not an exceptional receiver, but I think very good. Yeah. A guy you could throw to 50 times a year and, Agreed. and not really, not really blink. Um, yep. Let's talk landing spot for him and let's be realistic with it because I love the fact that the Eagles picked 10th overall and like Miles Sanders is probably going to walk, but it would be great. Probably not going to happen. Just not the way they do business. Uh, Where's the team that like could realistically take Bijan probably outside the top 10 picks, maybe even outside the top 15 that you think would be like a great spot for him. And again, could realistically happen if they traded down. Yeah, maybe. Right. Um, why am I blanking? Who's uh, who's in Washington's backfield right now? Why am I blanking on on who uh, they're Brian Robinson? Is? Oh right, that, right, yeah. yeah that that okay. feels like they they probably are, are set there. Maybe they have Antonio yep. Gibson, who they kind of love and hate too. Yep. I mean, boy, I don't know. Does 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 Tampa Bay think about him? Does 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 Baltimore worry about J.K.? I don't know. I mean, they were pretty. Yeah. They were pretty. They seem pretty happy with with Dobbins' uh, progress, if you will, and seeing a little bit at the end of the year. Boy, wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't Dallas be something if Zeke was gone? I don't know I that know, that happens. Yeah. You know, Buffalo's been mentioned as a possibility, and like the Eagles, you say it's not really how they do it. But the Eagles did take a nose tackle last year. Nose tackle being a position that's you know, has less value because he's only going to be on the, the, the field certain uh, percentage of the time. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's really hard to find that one clear, like, oh, he belongs there. If he somehow got to Cincinnati, I think they'd be very, very oh, interested. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. I'm kind of, I, I keep recycling the same five or six teams, but I feel like there's got to be somebody else out there that I'm not considering who should be considered. It's tough, and this is why, this offseason is so strange with all of these running backs and everything yeah. is because like there's a lot of guys who could change chairs and not a lot of open chairs uh there Miami would be great you know they, they had to forfeit the, their they forfeit yeah. their damn first round pick like they're the one team that like he could probably moonwalk into a three down <laughs> roll and that would be awesome oh i'm not going to rule out the falcons at eighth overall just because arthur smith Ooh. loves running the football you know yeah you, you, you never know but it feels like probably not the move they're going to make and this is the thing like he could land on a team I, i'm not put I'm, i don't want to put this in the air for our our my co-host here austin eckler but like he could land with a team like the damn chargers at 22 that's you know that's bad. that's possible he could land and he could land on a team where he just really mucks up the backfield like and doesn't ha- necessarily doesn't have that like like a Brian Robinson would be a great example with Washington that you brought up like Eckler obviously a totally different thing because the receiving stuff but like yeah 
you got Bijan Robinson and Brian Robinson in the backfield and like, oh, great, that's a mess for fantasy. There are a it lot of potential be. landing spots like that just because he is that good. I wonder, yeah, I mean, I almost wonder like if, you know, like Jamal Williams, the free agent, if he didn't resign there, Detroit would make some sense. Yeah. But yeah, the more situations you bring up, the more the more potential there is for chaos taking a, a fairly solid fantasy back and rendering him into a backup status just because of where he lands. So yeah, I still don't have a great feel for for his his landing spots or the potential. I I got a mock draft dude in like two weeks. And I'm already thinking like, where's Bijan going to go, man? And and he's yeah. one of the three or four guys that I'm really kind of stuck on right now. Nothing better than a guy that we all just like consensusly agree. Great love. back, the best back in yeah. the draft we love to then become like a searing fantasy debate in the off season. Because <laughs> like, like again, just go with the Washington example. Like, yeah, well, I firmly believe Washington took him in the first round. They're not going to mess around with Brian Robinson anymore. Well, Brian Robinson is going to get 30% of the care. And like this annoying battle on Twitter all off season, which like go outside, touch grass. Don't, don't be <laughs> arguing. You read off. my mind, man. That's every, that goes through my head every time. I think it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Log off. Yes. Well, if you log off, none of these people really exist anymore. And it's a, it's a great <laughs> thing to be. Jameer Gibbs, probably the second best back in the class, right? Yeah, uh, had a I nice 40-yard dash, uh, yep. you know, sub 200 pounds. How are we feeling about him? Yeah, the, the size is a little bit of a worry. I, I was hoping 205, right? Again, kind of back to the quarterback stuff. With running backs, you feel like, okay, these are guys who, you know, will, will be paid and need to kind of keep on some of that bulk. So that's a little bit of a worry. But, you know, people who watch... James Cook at the end of last year or something will get an idea for what, you know, what he can provide. And I think even maybe a little juicier than that. I mean, even as good as James could be, but like, yeah, I mean, sub four, four, uh, the, 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 the gear changing ability, I think is really what makes him special. You know, he'll catch a little swing pass and you see him there and he's moving at about what looks like three quarters speed for everybody else, but it's really like five, eight speed. And then boom, kicks in the jets and, hesitation moves, you know, he's got some wiggle, but also tough. I mean, Bama's offense this year was like Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs. It was so dependent on those two guys that they they ended up having to do things that were, I think, a little bit outside of what you would normally ask him to do. And for Gibbs' sake, he shows some toughness. Like, he's not as thick as Alvin Kamara, but it's hard not to see the comparisons. Mm -hmm. It's not just the hair. It's really like the play style of... Yeah, you you love throwing him a screen out in space, but also when when he needs to go off tackle and and get those those tougher yards, he can do it. And he's he's going to be I can't wait to see where he lands just how creatively he can be used. Now I'm off off track here, but I just thought 25 Jacksonville Jaguars, Bijan Robinson, Doug, Doug you know, Doug Peterson doesn't draft Travis Etienne. He says at the combine he wants a he wants a committee. Yeah, he wants to, he's like, oh, oh yeah, you man. knew that was coming, right? Uh, sorry, just to put just to put that nightmare in the air for 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 fantasy, uh, especially oh, after man. they never threw to Travis. He, uh, sorry, just 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 put nightmares out on the podcast here in, in the middle of uh, uh of Mar March. That's good stuff here. Jameer Gibbs, though, almost any team could use a guy like this, you know. Sure. Whether you have a feature back, you know, what maybe if you're Dallas, you kind of already have a space guy. You don't necessarily need that, but a lot of teams could use a guy like this. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think he could be a, a, a 70 catch guy if you really commit to giving him the ball that way. And, you know, four or five catches a game should be no problem for him. And, you know, screen game, he's also run wheel routes and he's, you know, done stuff that's a little bit outside of the normal, you know, kind of running back wheelhouse, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, I think his ability to make cuts, like he's probably everything we wanted 
like a healthy DeAndre Swift to be, you know, I mean, that kind of a, a template, if you will, I guess. So he's just, he's, he's, he's a, he's a satellite back, you know, yeah. he's a guy you want to get in space and, and he'll make things happen. Those guys are awesome for fantasy. So I think absolutely definitely want uh, to know where he lands. Uh, who's, who's the date, maybe not the day three, maybe day two. Who's the back that like a Damian Pierce lands on a wide open depth chart, maybe even has like a questionable college history, something mm-hmm. like that, you know, with, with his usage of Florida. Who's that back that like could land on? A, I don't know how many of these wide open depth charts there are. Miami's the only one that really kind of comes to mind, but lands on a depth chart like that, climbs his way up and everybody's like, where the hell did this guy come from? Yeah, I think a pretty good one from that standpoint would be Zach Evans from Ole Miss, maybe. I mean, guy averaged like, seven yards a carry. I mean, it was, you know, but the injuries are the biggest thing. So he's going to have to be, I think, in a, in a committee of some sort. But he could be like the, um, oh, why am I th- forgetting the the guy's name? Uh, the San Francisco back in Miami now, Jeff Wilson, like that kind yeah, of a, Jeff Wilson. yeah, I guess that's, maybe that's not a great comp, but the idea of that, he's got kind of home run ability, but also can, you know, can can hit it inside if he needs to, too. He runs with some power. So, yeah, that may be, maybe that's not a perfect comp, but off the top of my head, that's the kind of player. He didn't run at the combine, too, so I wonder if there isn't a little bit of a, a disappointment from that from that element. We'll have to see what his pro day is. But if you're wanting, like, the, the speedy home run hitter, Devin A-Chain from Texas A&M is probably your guy. Return specialist, receiver, third down kind of options, not as dynamic and all-around player as, as Kamara. I mean, as Kamara, as Gibbs, excuse me. But, you know, like a, a small back with with big playability. And the last guy I'll bring up, I think, is probably, well, Tajay Spears is pretty awesome too, man. That, have you seen this guy? Have you, a little yourself, bit, yeah, senior bowl. Yeah, put him on your list. Make sure all you guys out there listening, it's the, the last eight games of the season, he was truly special. And if you don't get Gibbs, like if you miss out on him in the, you know, the first round or wherever he ends up going, I would love to take that guy late second or something like that. I think he could be every bit as good. But Tank Bigsby is another kind of bigger back who I think may be a little bit undersold in this class out of Auburn. I, I could see him being a better pro than than what his reputation is right now. Hey, Eric, we're going to talk wide receivers here. We're a freaking hour into the podcast. I mean, talk about wide receivers. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm terribly sorry, but we got breaking news here in the middle of the show. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson officially gets the non-exclusive franchise tag. How about that? From, from the Baltimore Ravens. For those that don't know the difference between the exclusive and non-exclusive franchise tag, the non-exclusive franchise tag means that Lamar Jackson and his lack of agent team <laughs> uh, can go to... And by all accounts, by the way, I'm not like a agent hardo or anything like that. Right. I, I could don't talk to agents. Don't care about agents. I don't have an agent. Don't care about agents. Yeah. I'm not here to cape up for agent world. But by all accounts, it's been like as you, somebody who wouldn't have an agent. It's not the same like back and forth negotiation anyways that, that it would be normally. So Absolutely. Lamar now has the right to go to other teams and they can give him a contract offer. And the Ravens have to either match that offer. Or give the other team two first round picks, which to me, Eric, two first round picks for Lamar Jackson, take them. Steal. Oh, you think? Oh, you're oh, you're seeing the other way. No, 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 no. I'm 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 with you that like for for like for if I'm the Falcons, just oh right. Yes. Take my two picks. I don't give a damn about these Ah, two picks. But on the Ravens side, I think their logic is basically like if the fully guaranteed stuff is true, okay. If you can go get a fully guaranteed deal from somebody else, have at it. 
That's it. That's ex- I think that's exactly it. What the what the non-exclusive tag allows, right? If it's exclusive, can't talk to anybody. Non-exclusive, it allows Lamar to see what his market truly is, which is a dangerous game to play. But the Ravens are essentially betting that either, yeah, there's that one team out there that's willing to, you know, overpay, if you will, and they'll say, thanks for your service and move on. Wow, that would be crazy, yeah, but crazy. You're saving $10 million potentially on a one-year tender. And, you know, there's also the possibility that other people have some injury concerns or they, you know, they don't have the cap space. There may only be a handful of teams currently uh, prepared to pay that kind of money for a quarterback. I tend to think somebody will find a way, right? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is this the first step of him leaving Baltimore? Do we even... Because like you said, two first-round picks, even if you give up a high one this year... You know, adding Lamar makes you a better football team, inherently lowering your lowering the value of that second one. I mean, boy, I don't know. That doesn't feel like enough for Lamar. It does not feel like a, enough for Lamar. I think either the Ravens have to pretty much be like, we are okay if you truly get a fully guaranteed deal. And because the only way you're going to get a fully guaranteed deal is if you have multiple bidders. Obviously, with Deshaun yeah. Watson last year, there was multiple bidders. So if he could potentially get like another team to make that offer, they either have to be like, we are okay then taking the L and we'll give you this fully guaranteed deal that you allegedly want, or we're okay with losing you. You have to be okay with those two things. And the set, the losing him thing, it, it does feel so crazy. But I kind of think that, you know, there was so much reaction, Eric, to when the Browns gave Deshaun Watson the fully guaranteed deal, for, obviously from the public, but also from other owners too. Even Steve Bashotti was pissed about this. He and was. I, I just I just said I'm not caping up for agents. I am certainly not caping up for billionaire NFL owners. However, I wonder how many of these guys really want to put like that much because they have to put the money into escrow, right? And like how many of these guys A want to do that and B can afford to do it. Like the Raiders, great example. Mark couldn't Davis ain't got the they couldn't do yeah. it. Yeah. But could like David Tepper, Carolina Panthers, could he do it? He's got a, mm-hmm. a boatload of money, right? Like that's definitely one to watch because I think that's the thing that's not going to get talked about enough in these like discussions with Lamar. It's not who can afford him cap space wise. If he really fully wants a wants a fully guaranteed deal and other quarterbacks want it going forward, who can literally afford it from the ownership right. perspective? Who, Like you said, you have to put the money in escrow and and. You know, Kansas City Chiefs could do it with Mahomes. You know, Bills could do it, Josh Allen, what have you. But you're right, you know, it's it's a question mark. And here's here's a I don't know, I don't want to spoil the, uh, the 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 chat here or anything. But if you're the Commanders and you're looking, you know, 45 minutes down the road at this situation, how are you not in on this? Like. I'm sure Sam Howell has plenty of upside and all that. Yeah, <laughs> but well, we just talked about ownership man. questions, and you know, yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> Dana Snyder's got to save a lot of money for his legal fees. So true, you know. true. But wouldn't that be the ultimate? You F-U, know, yeah. you know what? Yeah, I can't remember what the rules are on on saying "fu" or whatever. But yeah, I mean, that would be like, holy crap! That would be fascinating. I'm not saying I'm rooting for it. I'm just saying, wouldn't that be interesting? I don't know. There's uh, endless possibilities. All of a sudden. Yeah, and you know, again, like the package that the the Broncos gave up for Russell Wilson last year, versus like just two first round picks for Lamar. That's got it. I mean, that's got to sting for the Ravens, unless they are truly just like we're done, we're we're done with you, and we don't care. Which seems crazy to me, but I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not here to cape up for billionaires. I'm not here to do that. But uh, it's yeah. just the, the the actual money part of it. I think is going to be an under discussed part of like the Lamar Jackson potential point. pursuit here. 
Yeah. Um, but there, there are certainly questions too about the durability and everything as well. So this is a fascinating one. And so many people have so many different agendas to fill with this because of the agent thing, because of like, People feel weird about Lamar on all sides of the spectrum. So this is going to be sure. it's going to be like the biggest story uh, over the next couple of weeks. So glad we got it live Huge. here on the show, Eric. Again, I'm not going to keep you for too much longer, but let's no, talk receiver. Let's talk receivers here. I've just kind of started my prep on this on this class. Like you mentioned, class as a whole, there's not it's not quite the same as the last few years. But I also remember back to 2019, man, when you know there was Nikhil Harry and Marquise Brown coming into the like the first round, and meanwhile. The studs on studs on studs came from the second group. That might not be the case with this year, but I do want to start with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who you mentioned earlier. I got a lot of thoughts on this whole thing. Um, And I'm going to have you heat check my thoughts on this because you have done more, done more preps, done more prep on this whole class than I have and on this player. But I have watched, I've actually started charting him for RP. I watched a lot of him last year when I was doing Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, just a loaded receiver core. Absolutely ridiculous. But are we really going to ding him as a slot-only player, Eric, when Cooper Cup just won the Triple Crown a couple years ago, was yeah. the best receiver in football? Amon Ross St. Brown has emerged as one of the best young receivers in the Thank game. You. Christian Kirk just dunked on everybody who clowned him as a slot-only guy when he got that big contract, had a big year with the Jaguars, was a big reason why they rebounded as a team. And most importantly, are we going to ding him as a slot-only guy when just a few years ago, there were folks out there. I don't know where you, you stood on this. I know I was not dinging Justin Jefferson for this, but he was a guy that was kind of dinged as a slot only player coming out of LSU. I just talked to Justin Jefferson at the Super Bowl, you know, mm-hmm. a month ago or whatever. And he definitely was like, they put me there because they got to get Jamar on the field. They got to, they, they wanted me in this role because you get lined up with advantageous matchups and stuff like that. Hell yes. And that, not have been the same thing that Ohio State did with Jackson Smith and Jigbo when they've got Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who aren't really like Chris Olave, especially not really a slot receiver. He's an outside the numbers separation player. Garrett Wilson can do a little bit of both, but right. You know, I'm hearing a lot of like there's no Jamar Chase in this class, uh, you know, stuff like that. He might not be Chase, but like again, Cooper Cup was just the most productive receiver in football two seasons ago. So whether JSN's a slot, or whether we're misevaluating him as a slot-only player. Either way, it feels like, who cares? Yeah, I'm with you, man. He's probably... So my first top 100 is coming out this week. He's either going to be my... I think he's probably going to end up my wide receiver one. And mine's yeah. my list won't look like other people's lists. I think that's the one position where I'm... Without having really looked all the way around. But I think that's the position where I'm going to be a little different than everybody else and have my, so my first... Check that out then. Yeah, a little, a little bit of a promo there. But yeah, I'm... I think Smith and Jigba, well, first of all, had he played the way he did, or had he played, A, <laughs> and then played the right. way he did down the stretch in 2021, averaging freaking 200 yards a game or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, guess what? He would be considered the Jamar Chase of this class. Whether it was true or not, we don't know. But the big questions were, yeah, is he is he a slot-only guy? And what's his speed? We just saw some elite short area quickness numbers from him over the weekend that I was shocked nobody was talking about, or maybe they were, and I was so busy, but I I thought there would have been more discussion about the fact that his three cone drill was not only among the best ever, not quite, but right there. And also like a third of a second better than any other receiver at the combine. Like, come on, that's a, that's an outlier. And that's a, that's a guy who will dice you up. And I think he's got, you know, a little bit of, I mean, he's he's not Justin Jefferson, I don't think, but he's got a little bit of 
lean frame CD lamb, maybe to him or mm. something. I, I don't know if that's exactly where I want to go with the comp, but I mean, I, I think he's really good and he, he tracks deep throws well when, when he got him super smooth mover. I'm a fan. Yeah. He's just always open. And again, that's it's it. like, are, are we really going to do this? Cause back when, back when I worked for the shield, like you do now, I, I wrote articles about like, you can't run an offense through a slot receiver. You need that outside, but like the game has changed, man. That was I like 2015, so. 2016. Like you can, especially if you're a team, if you're a team that has, not not necessarily the Saints and Chris Olave, but just like that type of player, you know, like a guy that you can trust to get separation on the outside. And then yep. JSN is, I mean, shoot, how about the Vikings? Because Justin Jefferson has emerged as a guy that does win at, at the flanker, at the X. They like to move him around. I get that. But, and then you have a guy like this who's going to get single coverage in the slot, sometimes against linebackers and safeties. Like, he's going to be one of the most productive players in the league at the position if he, if he translates. And and I just don't see a lot of reasons why he doesn't translate. And for me, I'm again, I've not even begun to touch most of this class, but it's going to be tough for like me to ding a guy like that just because he might play in the slot. And again, we've seen guys, AJ Brown's another one played in the slot yeah. in college, became an, an outside X receiver. Who's winning go balls for the Eagles as they run to the Super Bowl. So for me, I just don't see a lot of the same like reasons to ding a player like that. Like I, I just can't imagine doing it. I agree. I'm I'm all I'm not actually all in. Obviously, there are some still some questions to answer about him, but for all those reasons you stated, that's why I think he's gonna end up my number one receiver this year, you know, barring some kind of unforeseen thing, I guess. Let's talk about Jordan Addison because um, disappointing weight athletic measurements <laughs> combined. But let me tell you, and again, I've, I've not begun to really dive into Jordan Addison as much as yeah. you can get, kind of give me more of a, a what he is. But I'm just saying, like, if you want to get excited about a skinny receiver, there's Chris Olave tape from last year. There's Devontae Smith tape from last year. Yeah. You know, um, there's there's Calvin Ridley, a guy we mentioned earlier. He's a skinny dude. Uh, we You can go back and watch him in 20 and 21 and get pretty excited about a skinny receiver if you want to. Yeah, oh, there, there are plenty of them out there. There's no doubt about it. And, and, and he's got explosive ability. You know, obviously the the measurements were a little a little smaller, especially 173 pounds. You know, it's okay. That small hand, small, small yeah. Small hands, small arms, small frame, only ran in the high four fours. At that weight, you'd expect a little faster, but kind of the same idea of his his kind of sudden cut ability allows him to separate naturally. You know, another guy who changes speeds well, especially on those deeper routes, those little hesitations and things like that. Very good after the catch, too. Um, he caught a lot of stuff moving across the line of scrimmage and, and was able to, you know, kind of, work past linebackers and safeties pretty well. So yeah, he's got returnability. He's, he's, he's got the full package of skills, but yeah, I think there's a, a little bit of a limit to what he can do in the NFL. Like, I don't know that he's going to quite be the, the game breaker he was in college, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to let the height be the reason that I'm just like out on him. Of course not. You know? So I'm just trying to think of somebody who I would just sort of, Sort of putting that say, well, I guess Jalen Waddle was, but he had the speed. I'm trying to think of somebody who yeah. was maybe a little bit not quite as fast who was in that size range, but I think I think Ridley kind of becomes the best comparable from a not while that. ago because again, skinnier dude. I think Ridley only ran like a four four. So I know he was terrible and like the jumps and stuff like that. Too, he was, so. yeah. And that again, I'm I'm curious uh, again, like 
is he the level of route runner that Ridley was? I don't know because I haven't started charting him and stuff like that. But like, yeah, that's that's how you're going to have to be if you're if you're going to succeed in that frame and you're going to be like a if you're going to be a number one receiver, you can become number two, number three, whatever. But like, yeah, if you're going to be a number one. You've got to run routes like Calvin Ridley. You've got to run routes like Chris Olave. You got to run routes like Devontae Smith, like these guys we just talked about. Tyler Lockett or somebody Lockett, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But a lot yeah, of us, Olave and Lockett at least definitely have that speed. And and I think so does um uh Devontae Smith too. But like from a time speed perspective, they're a little more Yeah. Up. He's probably a half step slower than the you know what I mean? Like a, just a, a a tick slower or something like that. But I've seen him, you know, again, another guy who I think his best tape was at Pitt. I mean, I think last year was good, but like the, the Pitt tape was special. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd be fascinated to see where he goes. He's for me, he's kind of on that first, second round cusp a little bit, but you know, top 40. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, Quentin Johnson, uh, you know, felt like he had a, a solid showing again. This is a guy I haven't checked in with yet, but what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, good body control. Like, really, I, you know, I would love to see him run, sure, but that's not going to be a hang up for me. I know he's fast for his size, for how long he is. I think he's, he's perfect for, you know, I, I threw out a comp a while ago that got a lot of, like, oh, hell, I'll turn back the clock a little bit here, but uh, Sidney Rice, a little bit of that, mm, where, you know, got some length can can run vertical routes can also give him end arounds if you want him to can also do stuff in the middle of the field you know he's kind of explosive i you know he the 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 great uh, demonstration of his speed was in the semifinal game against michigan when you saw him catch that little swing pass and he's racing to the corner and there's dj turner our 40 yard uh, dash champion of the combine he ran a 426 or 7 i forget and Beat him to the edge. Now, did you know, I don't know that Turner had the best angle to the ball, but it was like, okay, that's the kind of play I want to see where he could turn on the afterburners and use his speed along with the, the length he has. So really good all-around player. I don't know that he's going to be a massive volume dude, but mm, yeah. kind of like Rice, like you could have a 15-touchdown season. It wouldn't shock me at all. Crazy yak ability. That's the one yeah, that's I've it. seen so far. Yep. Like, yeah, I mean, which... There's a lot of offenses that, hey, you want to build your passing game around like a yak, dude. I mean, there, there's you know a lot of Shanahan offshoot systems. Absolutely. Houston, yep. you know, has been a popular pick at 12, like in some of these mocks. That would obviously make a lot of sense if they want to install that type of offense after getting the quarterback number one overall. If, if I feel like D'Amico Ryan's going to be like, hey, 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 I get it. We got to take the quarterback. <laughs> but like, I'm a defensive guy. We go, we, give me one pick for the defense, for God's sakes. Exactly. <laughs> um any other receivers, uh, you know, these are kind of top three, but like, who are the other guys that that could potentially, again, maybe not make this like an elite wide receiver class, but make it a very, very good one? Yeah, I think you're going to be a Zay Flowers guy. That's I, I don't I don't fair, know, fair but accusation. I, I yeah, you, <laughs> I know you, man. I know your reputation. <laughs> I, I think you will you will jump out of your seat at maybe his, you know, four or five kind of freakiest moves. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, the comp that I give, and this is a, I always give style comps. I don't say he's going to be this player. Just in terms of how they play, he's freaking Antonio Brown, man. Yeah. I, unless I'm losing my mind and don't know football anymore, I know it a little, I think. And and I'm just telling you, with bad quarterback play last year, they just they couldn't throw. Like, this dude is a sleeping giant, I think. The size is going to be the same issue with, with uh, uh, Addison, but He's a little bigger and he's a little yeah, faster, a little quicker. And he, man, I'll tell you what, I'm just a fan. And, you know, somewhere in that sort of Stefan Diggs to Brown style wise. Uh, but that's, 
I think he's got big time ability and another maybe, you know, got hurt by the fact that he's viewed as a slot in the, at the next level. I think he can do both the inside and outside, even if he's not real long or big. Are uh, you talking about my types there for sure? If you're talking Diggs Brown, that's that, you you got that part, right? A yeah. lot of that, everything you just said though, sounds a lot about like what I said about Elijah Moore a couple of years ago, who I 100% still have faith in, by the way, like you I can't quit can on just, him. No, can't quit on him. No, but like, Maybe a little bit of scar there uh, from Elijah <laughs> yeah. Moore. But so I, I, I'm interested to check out Flowers M for sure since you said that. Yeah. Real quick, Eric, we got to get you out of here. But tight ends, is it really as strong of a group as everybody is saying? I mean, Daniel Jeremiah says it's like easily the best class in a decade, something like that. I've seen like people have, you know, double digit guys in the top 100, top yeah. three round grades, stuff like that. Is it really that good? Because shoot, buddy, especially in fantasy, we could need him. We need him. Oh, we yeah. Him. We could use him. I drafted Travis Kelsey and I only played two leagues. Drafted them both, won both. So that, uh, yeah, lucky. Shout out to you. Shout out. Shout out to Eric. exactly <laughs> right. It'll never happen again, right? But yes, we could use the help if Dalton Kincaid were healthy. He's got this back issue, and and hopefully we'll be able to work at his pro day. I think you'd see like like man, is this guy Mark Andrews? This guy Kelsey? Like that kind of a receiver? He's exciting. Darnell Washington, six foot oh. seven freak. You know, I mean, I that was unreal. Watch the Missouri game. Watch the uh, well, the Alabama game too. There were a few games where he just showed what he could do if Brock Bowers, who was probably going to be tight end one next year, wasn't there. Like if they gave him a regular diet of of catches, he could have done more with it. And he's he's just fun as hell. He's a big dude. Like you know what people. He's a way more polished version of tell me the Colts tight end again. I'm blanking on his name. The, Jelani G- Woods, Ali Cox. I mean, that t- the well, Colts have a bunch of, of a bunch yeah. of those dudes. Yeah, Virginia guys, by the way. BCU's finest, uh, Moali Cox. <laughs> that's right. I mean, God, that's that's the 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 physical template right there. Michael Mayer is gonna be your Jason Witten type. I mean, like mm-hmm. he is just rock solid you know, 70 catches for 800 yards kind of guy eventually. I mean, with eight touchdowns. So look, there's value in that, obviously. Um, Luke Musgrave is the kind of the unknown also with Kincaid in the sense that he's big, long, freaky, but hasn't played a lot and is more athlete at this point, but still you see the football player too. And he'll he'll be good, I think, in time. But I I pump the brakes on the immediate returns with him a little bit. Well, that's kind of generally with tight ends. Like it takes free your position, couple, right? About, yeah. We talk about Evan Ingram. Like he's just now really having the type of impact that I think Good a point. lot. Of, I mean, and he had, he had pretty good years to start his career, but it's a slow burn position. So maybe we won't get immediate returns, but Eric, my God, uh, my, my slow, my new slogan on the uh, pod is essentially like we need to, in order to get the cancel culture mob off of tight ends and trying to <laughs> erase them in fantasy, we need to just restore the middle class. So hopefully yes. a few of these guys, it does feel like a political slogan, like restore <laughs> the middle. we need to bring the glory back to the middle class. We need to bring the glory back to the tight end middle class at this position. But Eric, you have brought your glory back to the podcast. And I really appreciate it, man. This was a monster show. We kept you for way too long. No, blame, Lamar, blame Lamar Jackson, who apparently the <laughs> Atlanta Falcons are, if I'm reading right, it's not, they're not going to pursue. That's interesting. Um, wow. we're, it's biggest story of the offseason. Glad we could have it here. And glad we could have you to uh, kind of get me introduced to this draft class. 
What can the people kind of check out from you? You mentioned the top 100 list coming out soon. Yep, got that. Also got all our combine stuff that we uh, put in the in the vault uh, as of this weekend. I've got a mock draft coming up. I've got a few other things too. I've got my twins' birthday this week. It's a big week, man. Oh, it's got... a big week. Cole, shout, out, shout out to them. Happy birthday. Yeah, Henrik and Eloise, they're going to turn eight. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about uh, the draft being like six weeks away. This is, this is a good time to be alive, man. Of the draft six weeks away. I mean, or eight or whatever it is. Yeah, what, I don't know. I doesn't, either way, it's too soon. Either way, it's too soon. <laughs> Free agency is like uh, one sneeze away from happening at this point. We got to, oh, it's a good time to be alive. You're right. It's a busy time to be alive. But hey, on that note, Eric, appreciate you uh, spending some of your time here with us. We know you're a busy man. Uh, if you don't already, make sure you're following my fellow underscore bro at Eric <laughs> underscore at home. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, for God's sake, it's always a good time to follow at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm going to be back Thursday afternoon with a very special quarterback-centric episode. Uh, doing a little matchmaker. That should be exciting. And I'm sure we'll have 300 items of breaking news to discuss by then. Uh, if you like the show, leave us a five-star review. Don't, no four-star reviews. If you got a four-star review, you come tell me personally get, <laughs> and yell at me about it, all right? You got a three-star review, keep save it. Anyways, until then, we're out. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.